Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't tuned in, and I feel like a broken record saying this every single week, but please hit the subscribe button. You are very welcome. These podcasts are free. My name's Nick, and I'm the host of the podcast. I also run a business called Just Ask Parker. I'm the CEO there, and I got involved back in June. So if you've listened to any old episodes, you would have heard Caroline on these podcasts ahead of me. Caroline's currently on maternity leave. Her and the baby are doing very well. We're still getting lots and lots of messages, even though she went on maternity leave back in June. So appreciate the comments you guys have been sending in. Today, we're talking about Google Shopping. So this is going to be episode two of our new series about PPC advertising, so pay-per-click advertising. As I said last week, we may go on for way more than four episodes. We'll see how we go. And we've got a very, very exciting special guest joining us from a very, very big business that all of you will definitely know. The name of the company is joining us probably at the end of our series for this year. And they won't be talking about PPC, they'll be talking about a whole range of things. So we're in the process of just doing some paperwork on that. But please do stay tuned um, and tune in. It'll probably be the last Friday before Christmas. And then we might do a little one between Christmas and New Year. But I haven't organized that kind of stuff yet. But anyway, without further ado, I'd love to introduce our guest. Her name is Becky. She's a PPC expert. And we're going to be talking about Google Shopping today. Becky, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Just waiting for lockdown to finish. Uh, uh, Apart from that, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, the same, same. Trudging along, but I'm trying to stay positive. That's all we can do right now. I think trudging is exactly the right adjective (laughs) for how the UK (laughs) feels right now. Obviously, we're both based in the UK. So uh, yeah, and I know the US is having similar issues and that kind of stuff. And a lot of you guys are based in the US. So we try to reference as much as we can that's both global and then about certain specific markets. But Becky, before we dive in, do you want to give us just a quick background to about you, about how you got into PPC, what you're doing today, and then what, what sort of led you to, uh, to become an expert in Google Shopping and on our podcast? So I, I actually started in digital marketing and the email marketing side of things in-house, actually just covering a, a maternity leave, which I never knew would lead me down this path into staying into digital marketing and actually specializing. But having having done it in-house for a few years, I kind of got the itch to go agency side and, and jumped over to an agency where I got introduced to the world of pay-per-click. And having done email for five years, I think it was in total, having something new and shiny <laughs> was very exciting. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was very shiny, but I do know what you mean. At the time, it probably felt like that. Yeah, it, was, it was shiny to me. And what I loved about PPC was just the amount of data I could get. I mean, I've been used to open rates and um, click-through rates and an element of conversion tracking. But with PPC, you get so much data. And I loved that. And I loved entering a world where I could help a variety of different businesses rather than just the one. So I've been with that agency eight years now. I took over as managing director 
four years ago. And the agency name is Digital Gearbox. And we're a specialist PPC agency based in Bicester, which is just outside of Oxford for, for anyone who hasn't heard of uh, the mighty Bicester shopping village before. <laughs> but I'm sure everybody knows Oxford, especially if they've watched James Bond. Yes. We know exactly where yes, Oxford is. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or Harry Potter. Yeah, and we're, so we're a Google partner agency. We work with a variety of, of clients, both lead gen and e-commerce. Um, some of our e-commerce businesses, Comet, the electricals company, um, Misco, Pie Hut. So a variety of different ones, a few on Shopify. So I've got some experience there that I'm going to share with you today. We manage all kinds of budgets as well. So I'm used to helping people get started with very small budgets and people that have much larger budgets. So I'm hoping I can share some insights that will be relevant to, to your audience today. Sure. And just on the note of budgets, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but my personal favourite and something we look for at spec is always the budget that we know is going to increase. Not just the fact it's going to increase, but just the, the actual excitement and fun that comes with growing an operation. You know, you sort of start small, you test it, it works. And obviously in e-commerce, as soon as you've got a sale, the money's basically in the bank account. So within days, you can then chuck it back into marketing. And then, you know, that new customer you've acquired who's bought a product, you can spend that money getting two or three new customers next time. And if you get it right, it can become very scalable. It's not an easy thing to scale by any means, but, you know, the potential is there if you get it right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the great thing about PPC as well, that it's scalable, but in both directions. So if you're, if you've got no stock, you can scale back. Um, if you've got loads of stock, you can scale up. And if it's working, you can... You there's no limit, really. No, it all sounds great. And as I say, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And I feel like we've been on conferences and things before, but we've never publicly had a conversation. So this is the first time. But no. yeah, when we came down to looking at the PPC series, Becky was somebody that just completely stood out as a, an obvious candidate. Certainly when I, I, I think I'd done an SEO talk at a conference a couple of years ago, a digital conference, and you were doing the PPC talk. And I remember ever since then, I was like, we should do something together. This would be fun. So here we are. My, my first question for you, Becky, just to give us a bit of context. And for anyone that didn't listen to last week, just to kind of find out what it is. What is Google Shopping? I mean, it sounds great, especially if you run an e-commerce store, but what is Google Shopping? Sure. So Google Shopping is where you put product listing ads on the Google search engine result page. So they are the image ads that you generally see at the top of the results page, uh, where you get a little picture and a price and a link directly to the product. So it's not like a search ad, a traditional text ad that people think of. It's the one with the with the picture. So it's only available for e-commerce businesses. You've also got the shopping tab as well, where you just get these shopping listings. And they're all based off a product feed, which is kind of what gets a lot of people very confused about what the hell is Google shopping. Indeed. Because people, <laughs> people think PPC, they think Google ads, they think AdWords, they think keywords. There's no real keyword here. You're not bidding on specific terms. Your data feed, your product data feed is the one that contains all these keywords and is what Google's using to spit out these ads, essentially. Sure. And I think first question on the feed then certainly from a Shopify perspective, because good news for everybody listening, Shopify's done this for you. Where do you get the feed from? What is it? Like, how does it work? When you say feed, is that, you know, is that a spreadsheet? Does that update automatically? Essentially, it's a spreadsheet. And most websites have um, a feed that exists that contains all the product information that you're plugging into the website. And as you say, Shopify make it very easy. There is a plugin where you, I, I, I say plugin, I'm using uh, WordPress terms here, but an app um, where you can export your feed um, and put it directly into Google Merchant Center, which is the place that kind of 
maintains that feed for you and links it to your Google Ads account. Sure. And I think one thing that's good news is there's so many guides around the web, especially on Shopify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if you start using Google Shopping, you're going to have more sales. That's good news for Shopify. So as you probably noticed, Shopify out the box is what, $29 a month. And once you've started, Shopify then only really start making any money and you can stay on the $29 a month plan forever if you want. They only really start making money if you start making money. So it's it's a really good platform from that perspective. But I think you know, as Becky says, you can basically just grab a feed that already exists in Shopify itself. What some of the apps do, which I would definitely recommend looking at, and it's probably something we'll come on to a bit further down the line, is at the moment, the automatic feed will just give you the default title and the first image that you've uploaded for each product. Whereas if you start using an application, you can edit that content as it goes through. So you might want a longer title, for example, on the web page itself for the product. However, you might want a much shorter title and, you know, spoiler alert, you do uh, because you've got a much smaller space. You want to have a much shorter title that actually comes up on Google Shopping. So on on your website, you might put the world's best as the starting point of your product name. You know, the world's best women's uh, eco-friendly shampoo might be the name of your product. Quite a long name. You need to probably have a look at the design of the site if it's that long. But, you know, you might want to then just have eco shampoo or women's eco shampoo as your title for, for shopping. So some of the apps allow you to modify that between your sort of list of products on Shopify itself and actually when they arrive in, as you say, into Google Merchant Center, and there's loads of guides to help you. And if you get stuck or you're sort of like, right, I've got Merchant Center, where do I start bidding? There's lots of guides on how to then link. It kind of goes from Shopify to your Merchant Center and then into Google Ads, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I think... Getting the feed right is actually something that you should always prioritize if you're going to endeavor into Google um, shopping ads. It's kind of too many people just think, I'm going to tick the box to Google shopping, I'm going to export my feed, I'm going to upload it into Merchant Center and off I go. Whereas actually that optimization piece of getting the data right, as you were saying, Nick, getting that title right is so important because it's what powers this activity they're essentially your adverts aren't they those that feed exactly it's great that shopify have apps where you can optimize them but if you've only got a a small amount of products you can also use google sheets as well to to host your feed as another option and that way you can edit all the content yourself and there's there's so much documentation from google themselves on how to optimize your shopping feed for best practice to give it the, the highest chance of success sure and i can't think for a second i'm being very sarcastic here why google are so so helpful with this stuff i wonder why obviously you're about to start <laughs> spending some money with them so um yeah so it's within their interest to make this sort of thing work so cool so you've got it set up and as you've mentioned it's it's very different to what we were talking about last week about google search campaigns where we put up a list of keywords and we write some ads. With shopping, we don't input keywords, do we? We don't necessarily write adverts. You know, we do it, as we just said, via the feed. So how does it, how does it work? How does Google know what to show you for? Because the, they're not called keywords necessarily, they're more search terms, so they're on the customer side. But how does Google then you know, work out, right, we're going to show you if somebody searches that, but we're not if somebody searches this? So you set up your shopping ads with, with product groups in its most simplistic form you can just create a campaign and tell google to show all your products if you if you've got a small range that's kind of what a lot of people fall into the trap of again going back to that box ticking exercise they think i want to do google shopping i want to put my products out there create a campaign and sell all products what you should be thinking about is how to group your products together um, and choose which items you want to show because if you've got variants and you've got a stronger selling variant you probably want to push the the best seller more than some of the less popular items. So again, use this product grouping feature in the Google Ads to split out your product IDs. And you can essentially put a bid on how much you're happy to pay per auction for each of these products. 
which it sounds very, very simple when I say it like that, but it can get ever so confusing in the Google Ads interface. Yeah. Whilst we've said there's lots of easy ways to get going, the actual segmentation piece is a little bit complex. But again, there's lots of lots of documentation out there that will help you with, with doing that. Going to go on a really quick tangent with a quick question, because this is one that's still being debated even sort of seven, eight years later. And anyone that's worked on Google Ads will know what I'm about to ask for this. Old interface or new interface? Which one did you love? Oh, oh. Do you know what? I... I I kind of approached it like a plaster or band-aid for our American friends. I I was I'm, I'm going to embrace the new one, so I did it. I switched really quickly, and I'm very used to it now. So the new interface for me. We switched early just because we knew it was coming. We knew there wasn't going to be an alternative. Yeah. We might as well get used to it now. I think from our point of view, we massively preferred the design of the old one. It looked horrible, but you could just do anything you wanted. Whereas the new one, because it's all built in a web app, which for anyone non-technical means you basically have one URL. So when you click on something in there, it doesn't refresh the whole page. It just refreshes that element of your screen. It's, it's a good idea. It's supposed to be faster. But yeah, we've just had so many issues with it. And then recently they've decided to limit the amount of search terms it will show you. If you haven't listened to last week, again, another reason to go back and listen to it is Pamela and I were talking about what search terms are. So you put your keywords into Google search campaigns, not shopping, Google search campaigns, and then you can click a button to see what your search terms were. So what did people actually type in to trigger those keywords? And obviously in shopping, you can do that as well, can't you? There's the, um, it's probably the place you spend most of your time managing shopping is either improving the feed, as we've already said, or you'd spend it looking at bids, what people actually typed in to find us, and then probably going through the fine tooth comb and adding negatives, which we didn't cover at all last week, actually, negatives. But Becky, do you want to explain what negatives are and how you'd approach that in, in shopping? Yeah. It's, it's essentially the only thing you can manage apart from the feed and the kind of way that products are split, isn't it? Yeah, so whilst there's no keywords that we're bidding on, we can tell Google what keywords we don't want your ads to match against. So yeah, like you said, Nate, it's, it's a really vital part of the optimization of shopping. You look at the search terms that your ads are triggering for and you can add any negative terms so if you're for example if you're selling a product and you've got a competitor selling a similar product but you don't want your ads to appear if someone's searching for that competitor name you can add that competitor name as a negative keyword and then your ads won't show for them likewise if you've got a luxury product and you're seeing lots of searches related to people looking for cheap options you might want to add cheap as a negative keyword to make sure that your ads aren't appearing when people are using that pre-qualifying term So yeah, really important. And that kind of goes back to the importance of segmenting your product groups so that you can better see which uh, search terms are matching against which products. If you just have it all in one campaign, one ad group, you're not going to know which product is showing for what search terms. That's why it's really important that you segment things properly. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, as, as we say, you're not using keywords here. You're essentially giving Google a list of products. So if you group them incorrectly, you know, if you have men's and women's shoes together, you're going to be showing high heels to men and you're going to be showing these really ugly Chelsea boots to, uh, you know, to women. There is definitely some gray area in that though, like Ugg boots, you know, are both sort of gender neutral yeah, unisex yeah. now. So yeah, but I think making sure that you do group those properly. And then as I say, in terms of managing the campaigns, we probably spend most of our time on Google Shopping, either improving the feed, changing the way they're grouped or looking through those search term reports, as, you know, as Becky says, to give an example is, yeah, if you've got, say you just sell uh, men's leather boots, you know, not a massive fan, given that we're in the sort of anti-leather vegan era at the moment. But yeah, say you were targeting, um, you know, you just sell men's leather boots. If you just put all of your products into a single feed, 
can almost guarantee that leather boots, leather shoes are going to be on there. And actually, you want to be more specific than that, certainly on day one. You've got to think from a customer point of view, if they're just typing in leather boots, leather shoes, or something along those lines, they're probably wanting to see an enormous range of different shoes made with that material. If you just sell boots and you just sell uh, men's and you only ship in the US, well, you need to make sure you target the US. You need to make sure that you do put some negatives in, probably from the word go. I wouldn't wait for the report to tell you you've wasted some money from the word go to, you know, negative anything around women's, ladies, etc. Anyone looking for shoes, we don't sell shoes, we only sell boots. We only sell leather, so let's get rid of forks and all the alternatives. We just want real leather, that sort of thing. You know, you can sort of start off from that point of view, which I think is a, a good place to go. In the, changing sort of subject slightly, in the kind of hierarchy of, of PPC, given that you and I both work on lots of different channels, not just shopping, in the hierarchy of PPC for a Shopify store, when would you recommend shopping is the right time to start? And would you say it's the first, second, third, or one of the later channels you'd recommend they target? Oh, it's a good question. From my perspective, I think sooner rather than later is always good. I think the great thing about shopping is that it does tend to, as long as you've got those negative keywords in place anyway, it does tend to mop up more of the bottom of funnel um, terms. And Google detects if someone's kind of showing buying intent, and that's when they push the shopping ads out opposed to the search ads often. So what is good is that you you also get the sort of pre-qualifying element that people can see your product, they can see your price before they click as well. So with search terms, so search campaigns, obviously, unless you're putting that in the ad, they're not going to know what it looks like. They're, they're kind of using the descriptors that you're putting in that ad to make a decision on whether to click on it. And when they actually click through, it might not be quite relevant to what they're looking for, especially if it's something like fashion. But yeah, I think it, it really depends on how visual your product is, actually. If you're, like I say, if you're fashion, if it's something that people are buying based on look, shopping should definitely come before search campaigns. The other great thing is that if you prioritize shopping over search is that you can use the data that you're getting from the search terms to guide you on what terms you want to target on the search campaigns as well. So it gives you a little bit of insight before you start investing there that you can use to make that activity more successful, from my opinion. Sure. No, I, I, I definitely second all of that. And I think I, I say this every week and I use this disclaimer every week now as well that we say this all the time that it depends on your business. Yeah. So you've given quite a few variables there that I like, like the how visual your product is, what you've called it. I think also what the price range is, et cetera. Yeah. Going back to there, it depends though. Um, and I'm going to act as the middle person who agrees with both of you. But yeah. Pamela last week was absolutely adamant that if you're going to run shopping, shopping's only ever going to go to product pages. Yeah. So if you click on the shopping ad, you're only ever going to land on a product page. So Pamela was adamant that we need to actually target categories as well via search. Yeah and shopping and actually split the budget, not necessarily 50-50, but split it based on the results we start to see. I, I, on the other hand, I'm kind of on the fence here, and it does depend on the business and the brand. I think if you've only got 10 products, well, there's no point directing people to your one or maybe even two categories you have. You've only got 10 products. Let's just get those 10 products from there, or maybe even build more variations of each of those products. So on Shopify, you can make it where, you know, if you change the color to red, it actually changes the product page you're on. So then it's not a variant. It's not one product page with five colors. It's five product pages with those five different colors on. And to get from one page to the next, you just use the normal drop down, but it reloads now into the red product instead of the blue one that you were looking at previously. And I think there's some really good options there. But yeah, definitely it's, it is interesting seeing different people's approaches and how some people are quite are, you know, sort of gung-ho, we have to launch it like this. And others are like, well, let's have a look first and decide. Um, and neither is right or wrong. Sometimes you look at it and go, 
yeah, this, you know, you've got $100,000 to spend a month. Yeah, we're going after not just these two channels, we're going after lots of others as well. But generally speaking, I completely agree that I think Google Shopping has to be the right, probably has to be the first place, in my opinion. I, I think there, there are a few scenarios where we wouldn't recommend it. It's not 100% of the time, but we would say that, yeah, there are definitely scenarios where we would recommend something else, but shopping generally is the best place to go. The word I was thinking of while you were explaining uh, your reasons why as well, Becky, is it's qualified. I think when somebody clicks on a shopping ad, that's when you pay for it. It's only when they click it. And they're pretty qualified if they've seen a picture, the price, the title, and maybe even reviews. If you've got your five-star reviews pulling into Google Shopping, which takes a bit of time to get to that stage where that will actually work, and then you can spend your, your, your evenings on the phone to Google and Trustpilot or FIFO trying to understand why it's not working, which we've all yes. done. But yeah, if you've got the reviews in there, there's four ways of qualifying them. They know it's got good reviews. They know the picture's right. They know the price is right. And they know the title is the thing they're looking for. So when they click through, they're pretty qualified. So you won't get that click. And obviously, the thing we're always looking at on, on shopping is, is revenue, isn't it? It's, it's how much have we spent and how much have we made? Yeah, it's you get so much additional data from running shopping campaigns as well than you do with search campaigns. And so Merchant Center, you can get some price competitive report now, which for a number of our clients has been has been gold because we can see where they're coming up more expensive than the competition, which just allows you to have that competitive angle. But if you know your price isn't right, you can adjust the price and potentially get more sales that way which with search campaigns, yes, going to the category uh, level is important for that brand awareness piece, but you just don't get the same amount of data to play with. And as you're probably beginning to tell, I love data. So um... <laughs> no, it's good. I think data is great as long as you know what to do with it. I think I did say last week that most store owners are always asking, you know, can you analyze this? Can you look at that? What they're really asking, in my opinion, or what they should be asking is, can you give us a list of actions? Can you outline what we should change? Because I think data is great and we, we get those, you know, the directors of businesses regularly email us, say, can you just give us all the data you've got? And we're like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How long have you got? You're never, we've not read through it all. You know, you're not going to read through all of it. There's certain things that you should read through. So we sort of then, you know, pick and choose from the archive. But I think, yeah, using, using the data that comes back, as you say about, you know, checking the price, price comparison report in, in Merchant Center, well, that's quite a quick win. You know, you can either stop advertising it, stop wasting your money on it, or you can change the price or put some sort of offer on so that you now, you know, you're still more expensive, but you're adding something else to the, you know, to the item, which then means you're more compelling. Okay, Google Shopping, how can, tell us about price drops and sales and offers, because they're, they're quite useful, aren't they? Especially around Black Friday, which, you know, it, I think it's going to be like a few days away when this, in fact, it'll be Black Friday when this goes <laughs> wow, out. timing. Oh, we should have done the special. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yes, it's probably too late now, but for, for future reference or for, for peak and Christmas, and so, how does price drop and the offers area work? Um, yes, yeah, so there's a number of ways you can you can sort of do promotional offers with Google Shopping. There's a kind of a sale price field that you can populate so that Google will show the previous price versus your sale price nice and clearly so people can see that they're getting a bargain. There's the marketing promotions where you can add in basically telling Google again that you've got some kind of promotion on whether it's a percentage discount money off uh, a freebie and that will appear in your ad so again it just gives you um, that competitive edge if loads of other shops are selling the same thing you do if you can offer that extra value or that you can be more price competitive then you can put that directly in the ad and you can also include promotional codes there as well so again, for Black Friday, we're running a number of those for a number of our clients. You can pop in that promo code directly there. People can click through, enter the code and get that discount. 
One other thing we've actually tested uh, recently, which worked quite well, it took us a little while just to get the images approved, but we put like a little sale icon in the images as well. So we have, we have a number of clients that they're on sale for more than 30 days. And of course, Merchant Center kicks up a fuss if it, you know, if it says, well, you're, this isn't a sale anymore because you've always had, you know, it, well, isn't the rule that it has to be at the normal price for 90 days and then at sale, for, sale price below that for no more than 30 days. Otherwise, you can still have it on offer, but it won't show as an offer. It won't expand the size of the, you know, the actual advert on shopping. So what we did is to counter that, we've got a client that sort of sell after season products at a nice discount and that sort of thing. So we've, we've just got their web team just to add a little sort of image in the bottom right, just saying sale. It looks like a sale tag. It's red. So even though, cause it, partly just because they're on sale all the time. So even though Google Shopping or Google Merchant Center, you know, we can't put into there, we've got a specific sale on, at least Google Merchant Center um, is still putting those images through so the customer can see that, you know, this is below retail price, which is a good offer for them. Yeah, you've got to to be careful with the images because they don't allow promotional overlays as such. So Google can start disapproving items if you do put promotional overlays on your images, it kind of depends on how long yeah, you're definitely. running it for, uh, and how you got. If you can beat Google in that in that sense, it is a good idea because I get like you say, it just makes your ad stand out against the others. If you've got obviously a sale on, yeah, definitely. I think what the way we did it, we managed to get around it. I think the first few times we uploaded them, they came back and sort of said too much text in image was the first issue, yeah. and we sort of were like, yeah, we know yeah. what that means. That's a promotional overlay. Yeah, yeah. So we made it a little bit more subtle. What we actually did with some of the products is we put a physical when they were being photographed we put a physical label that was bright red saying sale on it therefore it was part of the photograph so it wasn't an overlay anymore and they initially disapproved them so we got on the phone you know got on the phone to our team at google and said well why have these been disapproved and they were like oh i see why but yeah you're right they're it's not an overlay. And they had to, it took us a couple of weeks for their legal team to agree that this is fine. At which point we had a new set of images to upload. So it all but it started again. But yeah, I think there's, you know, as, as we say, there's some really good options in there to kind of make a bit of noise about it all and get things up and running. Are there any other shopping channels or similar channels to Google Shopping you'd recommend? I know, appreciate this isn't a question that we uh, agreed before. I'm just thinking that because Google Shopping is not the only channel that works like this. No, so Bing, Microsoft, they've got a shopping a shopping route as well. That's all within the Bing ads interface. So unlike uh, Google, you don't have a separate merchant center. They've got their, their merchant account effectively within the Microsoft ads account. I mean, the other thing I guess that we haven't really touched upon is, are the other CSS partners, which comparison shopping service is what CSS stands for. So there's a lot of other places where you can list your feed. And again, Google, because they got slapped around the wrist for dominating that space, they now have to show listings from other merchants. So there's a number of them out there. They tend to have a fee associated with listing on them though. So Google's really, uh, Google and Microsoft, aside from the click cost, they're really the only free ones. So they're the best place to get started. There are one or two out there, I think Comlin's one of them, where you can list your products free and they'll appear in the same search results, but I'd always get started with Google. Sure. I think we always, yeah, we always have that conversation of, should we target Bing as well? And it's always a kind of, yeah, we could copy and paste everything and just chuck it on there if you like. But yeah, when you look at the the dominance of Google and, you know, Microsoft have just been throwing money at Bing for probably the best part of a decade now and still haven't made any real market penetration. You know, they, the fact that they've fully integrated it with things like Internet Explorer and for years they, they didn't give people a choice when they downloaded Internet Explorer if they wanted to use Google or something else. Sorry, if they wanted to use Bing or something else. 
And because of that, they got fined by the EU every year and it was like hundreds of millions. And they just kept paying the fine and keeping it the way it was. Just an absolute beggar's belief. So, you know, I'm very, very sure that Microsoft have made an enormous loss on Bing. And I'm pretty sure they're going to start giving up on it at some point. They certainly don't seem to have rolled out any major updates for a few years now. But yeah, you know, if, if 85% of 85% of search traffic or, you know, whatever the latest figures are, are on Google, Bing's always going to be a sideline. You know, it's certainly not going not gonna to push the needle in terms of what you're doing. And um, what are your thoughts as well then? So sort of last couple of questions, but what are your thoughts as well on looking at things like eBay and Amazon? Because obviously they do have a PPC element to them. It's, you know, it's shopping. People are shopping products in those environments. So it's quite different to display or YouTube or something. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on those? I, I don't know if you guys offer them. We don't. Um, but we do have some partners that do. We, we don't offer them either. So my experience with them is limited. But certainly Amazon, I mean, so many people's shopping journey starts on Amazon now. I wish I had the percentage to, to hand, but I, I think it's probably <laughs> more than Google now. I think they overtook Google in terms of the shopping experience. So certainly Amazon is something you, you should consider. I think it, it comes down to budgets. It comes down to competitiveness of the market. Obviously, there's associated fees with listing on Amazon, and I know they're quite cutthroat on the deals they put out there. But yeah, you should explore it. eBay, eBay, I know even less about, to be honest. I don't know what, what you've, you've come across there, Nick, with your partners. Yeah, I mean, eBay is an interesting one because most of us think of eBay and we think like, you know, secondhand car parts yeah. and stuff like that, certainly in the UK. However, a few of our clients that we're working with, we're spending, you know, 50, 100,000 pounds or dollars a month on Google. And it's a fly on the windscreen in comparison to what they're doing on eBay and Amazon. Again, it's slightly outside our, our expertise, but for a couple of clients, we're, we're now optimizing their Amazon accounts for them. And that's just sort of looking at, you know, almost doing a kind of SEO sort of refresh on like the content they're using, the copy they put in, what they call products, etc. So we're doing a bit of that, but, you know, we're not experts in it, but it seems to be having quite a big impact. You know, every time we update a product, it suddenly seems to be being found in more searches and, you know, and that sort of thing. I will say that eBay, and this comes from one of our clients who sell white goods, so dishwashers, washing machines, ovens, that's thing. They've, t- they've got an account manager at eBay and the guys at eBay recommend what offers to push They also give them exclusives that aren't available on the platform. They just sort of say, would you like us to enable this on your account for a few weeks? And generally, it does seem to be very offer-based and, you know, price-heavy. But these guys, they they managed to win Appliance Seller of the Year in 2018, I think it was, on eBay. So what we've done as a result of that, and this is often one of our bits of guidance, is we've taken that and we've taken the Amazon reviews and, and things like that, and we've actually put those on the website. We've not made a lot of this stuff linkable, but using it as a bit of a USP, a bit of a conversion driving piece of content within the, you know, the design of the header of the site. So then it's really clear that, you know, you're on this website, but this is also linked to our eBay and Amazon activity where we're absolutely huge, you know, so you can see the, see the activity that's, uh, that's going on on there. Yeah. Again, it's slightly outside of our remit, but yeah, interesting, uh, interesting nonetheless. Let's talk finally about reporting. So we've got eBay and Amazon set up and that kind of thing. What are we doing in terms of reporting? What sort of analytics do you recommend we set up? What are the main numbers we need to be looking at on a regular basis? How do you know if it's worked? So the the main one that you need to get set up is the conversion tracking, which again is very easy, thankfully, with Shopify and getting that revenue pulling through as well. 
which for non-Shopify customers is always more painful than it is with Shopify clients that we work with, thankfully. Yeah, Shopify's got a lot built in, hasn't yeah, it? So it's, yeah. it's a lovely system to use, in my opinion. Yeah. Hence why I run this podcast. Yes. <laughs> there we go. So from there, you want to look at your uh, return on ad spend as well. Obviously, no point uh, spending more than what you're getting back, at least in the long term. You want to be looking at the click-through rates as well, but I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Uh, click-through rates generally are lower on Google Shopping than they are on Google Search. And we work with a lot of people where they're like, oh, why, why is that? And if you think about it, it goes back to that pre, pre-qualifying element of Google Shopping. Unless people look at it and they're happy with the way it looks and the price, they're, they're less likely to click on it. Whereas with the search ads, they're almost taking a, a bit of a gander. So they will tend to be lower. Uh, your average cost per click, again, it's important that you monitor that against your max bids that you're setting, depending on if you're using any automated bidding that is. Search impression share is a really important metric to keep an eye on. That's going to tell you how many times your ads have shown versus how many times they could have shown, essentially. So it's a percentage uh, rate of kind of showing you how much of the market you're penetrating. And you can look at how much you're losing due to rank versus how much you're losing due to budget. So that's a really important metric and looking at the scalability of your your campaigns. Obviously, if you're getting that really high return on ad spend, uh, but you've got a, a low search impression share due to budget, you can whack up those budgets and you should see those results start to scale up nicely. Google's very good at telling you when you can spend more, isn't it? It's like a little warning pops up and it's red and it says you're missing out on, you know, it uses the proper FOMO, you know, like you only live once, etc. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty good at that. I can't think why, but it's pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're kind of the main ones that we keep an eye on. It really, like I say, that return on ad spend is the key one that you want to be looking at and observing and making decisions on. Yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it goes back to what we said yesterday. And I think we mentioned last week as well, you know, it's a, we spent, you know, we spent $5,000 this month and we made 12000 back. Well, our margins are 50%. So we're in some sort of profit here. And I think two other things that I just want to highlight as well, slightly on top of the question were, one is that you're acquiring customers here as well. So what you need to learn about your business and your industry is, what's the general uh, cost per new customer? And you might segment that to say, you know, our top percentage, of, our top sort of tier of customers that spend loads are worth that to us. Next tier is worth this and the bottom tier is worth that. So then you can yeah, start to work out like actually how much should we spend to acquire a new customer? Because what you might come back with is you might say, actually, we're going to overspend on their first order. So we're going to pay £50 to get new customers in. They're only going to spend £70 with us which only leaves £20 between the cost of advertising and the amount they actually paid, which does not cover the cost of running the business. It doesn't cover the cost of uh, the product itself, anything like that. But then if they're going to, if it's a subscription or something, they're going to buy 12 times that year. Or if it's a, you know, if, if you can then start increasing the average order value and get them to buy twice more per year via email, which is obviously something you worked very heavily in, Becky, which I didn't know, which is quite interesting. Surprise. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're then going to start emailing them, email costs next to nothing, and therefore you know, you're going to get those extra orders in. The only other question I've got for you, Becky, and I asked Pamela this last week, and partly because I get such a range of answers because there is no right or wrong um, answer to this. And let's try and keep it short because Pamela and I sort of said we could spend hours talking about this. Attribution. Yeah. So last week we covered what it was. Okay. How would you go about, from a Google Shopping perspective, how would you go about measuring attribution and attributing you know, the, the sales themselves to each channel. Mm. Sounds like you just had a little shiver. <laughs> Which... It's something that we debate endlessly here and we've got different things set up for different clients. 
I'm all for one, if you're optimizing your Google shopping activity, you want to use the Google Ads data. So I I always make sure that we install the Google Ads tracking yeah. code onto a website and that we're measuring it using that tool because Google Analytics is obviously using the last click attribution from all sources. Whereas with within Google Ads, you want to see the last click from within your Google ad spend. So I'd always take that just because if you're putting the money into this, you want to see exactly what it's contributing, regardless of if they ended up clicking on an email and buying as the last touch point. But yeah, in terms of first click versus last click versus linear. Versus Facebook pixel lying. <laughs> versus the yeah. I know. It, it, it's so complex and I, I'm all for one for looking at it in different ways and just considering the the different attribution models i don't have a strong preference towards any of them i'm all for looking at them all holistically and understanding how different things are contributing it really does depend on the client i know i keep saying it depends it does depend on the client you're working with doesn't it because for one client if it's a really luxury high value item yeah actually what we might start to do with the campaigns on on google ads is to start targeting uh, newsletter signups or yep. people adding things to wish list abandoned basket we might do that because when they google ads generally is going to be the first time they enter your site or the first time they see something it is quite low down as you mentioned right at the start in the funnel so it is at a point where i'm ready to buy now so i'm googling this product but yeah when the actual purchase is made it could be so far on from that so yeah depending on the client sometimes we just we look at it kind of direct revenue and then what google analytics is telling us might be multi-journey and we add the you know on a lot of our reports we just add the two together and we sort of say well, we outline both of them we don't just give the one number we say look this is direct so people have clicked on an ad and bought something in that journey where they clicked on the ads and if that's making you know good revenue good profit the ROI is looking healthy then then we're fine everything else is in addition to that so we know holistically that this is working quite well if it's not that's where we then might start doing a bit more digging and going well actually everybody's bouncing off so google ads is not working properly because we do want people to hunt around the website or actually we might start discussing well should we use a bit less on shopping because they're landing on products um and why don't we put a bit more into google search now and actually target our categories to give people a, a range and if that works then we'll actually instruct the web team to update the website so that product pages have a lot more references to the category that this product is in and similar products. Because then we're starting to learn that actually we don't want people bouncing off the site. And, you know, our, our popular or most best-selling product is not necessarily the one that people are landing on. Therefore, we need to get them to more of our bestsellers quickly. Therefore, that's why some web pages look the way they do. But I think, you know, as uh, you had exactly the same reaction to Pamela when I asked her the question of like, oh my <laughs> gosh, we could spend a whole day debating it and get absolutely nowhere. But I think... Every business looks at it differently. I think you need to look at your own business, you know, as a Shopify store owner and go, right, what, what are we going to consider attribution? What does the data tell us? And I think the, the best place to start with attribution, in my opinion, is, you know, Henry Ford said, you're probably right. You know, you'll know what your customers are like. You can ask them as well if you want. How long did you consider this product before you bought it? And, you know, you can take a bit of a stab, you know, in the dark sort of thing and just go, right, this is exactly how we're going to attribute sales from Google Ads. Because what you don't want to do is, be running Google ads, find out people do need to visit the site five times before they purchase. But because the data tells you Google ads is doing nothing, you turn it all off and then all your sales dry up. 
you know, I gave a good example of that last week and what we did about it, if, uh, if people want to go back and listen. But yeah, it's a, it's a tough old model, isn't it? Trying to work out what our attribution looks like. It is. But at least at least Google, fair play to them, they've, they've put that attribution element in the campaign manager now. So you can toggle things about and have a look at the different models and, and how they're doing on the different campaigns. So I think just being aware that there are different attribution models is, is step one for most people because so many people set up conversion tracking and again, they think that's that. Whereas knowing what that's measuring and what attribution model you could be using is the most important thing yeah definitely definitely becky it's been so great to have you on the show today really really appreciate your time it's been some amazing learnings i'll be honest i've made five notes while we're going through as well of things that i'm gonna go and um, have a look at or particular campaigns i know we're running that i'm like oh i should probably check that on that one so thank you so much for being here how can people contact you what's the best way of getting in touch so you can uh, go onto our website, so digitalgearbox.co.uk. Um, we're also on social at Digital Gearbox. We've also got our PPC Burrito podcast as well. Looking for some dedicated PPC content. Two of my favourite things there, burritos and PPC. Exactly. So we're, we're on all, this, all the same channels as this, I believe. So you can search for us there. Or you can follow me directly at Becky Hopkin as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Becky. Really great to have you here today. For everybody else listening, as I said at the start, if you have enjoyed today, I hope you have. Please go and subscribe. Check out the podcast. Every Friday we'll be posting. We've got this PPC series on now. We've got a very exciting guest later on in the year as well, just hopefully just before Christmas, if we can get him on. And then also into the new year, we're slowly starting to work this out. I have a bit more info than we had last week. Into the new year, we're going to be doing a series on Ask the Store Owner um, or Ask the Shopify Store Owner. So we'll be interviewing some Shopify store owners about how they've grown their businesses, some of the challenges they came up against, why Shopify is a good or a bad platform for it. And I'm hoping to try and find somebody that's had a really bad experience on Shopify and has left. Until now, I've struggled to find somebody, but I'm going to try and dig one out for the sake of it. And we'll have a conversation about how it's, how or why it didn't work. So again, thanks so much for being a Becky. We'll be back next week and we hope to, uh, hope to have all of you with us again. Sign up for free for the Shopify approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.